I can still hear you, Daddy. What's happening? Okay, good, 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 good. I'm off to a great start, mate. I've had a fantastic morning. What would you do? I uh, got up and did my morning routine. Did like a 30 minute meditation, which is a long one for me. And yeah. what do you typically do? Typically, I will start with breath work and just tune into the body, see what's happening inside of the body first, and yeah. then give the body what it needs. Essentially, like if I if I feel the need to to cultivate some energy internally, I'll do some upregulatory breath. And if I don't, I'll just focus on normal, circular, consistent breathing, connected breathing. But this morning, I've been um, yeah, I've been watching this uh, this documentary of these brothers in Hawaii. They're pro surfers. And um, pretty cool dudes, like super inspiring dudes. And they they do these uh, these morning protocols. And I was like, I'm going to give this a crack. And I've been inspired by Alan Watts and um, some other philosophers of late. And they, they do these, like someone's put together, really creatively put together these meditations with these philosophers talking, but also a meditation practice. And yeah, right. I've been super inspired by that and Alan Watson. So I put the two together this morning and, and found myself in a in a deep meditation for 30 minutes. So is it kind of like guided by like like some of their philosophies are in part of the guided meditation? Is that right? Yeah. So this one with Alan Watts, he starts guiding the like the meditation. And about 10 to 15 minutes in, you're already in a state of like surrender. And he just continues to talk through that not crazy amounts of dialogue but just his voice and his ideas are so straightforward and so um, profound that it it nurtures the progress that you're having inside of the meditation yeah and I find myself like it's it's like I'm waking up when I finish it's like I'm waking up I'm yeah, awake the whole time but yeah rested. yeah it felt good man it, it was good Have you heard of um Dr Wayne uh Dwyer Dwyer no, I haven't. So um he's an OG self-help guy. Um, but like not in a you know how some of them old old school self-help people are like a little bit cheesy and a little bit like gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's it's kind of um it's not like that. Like the guy's been like sort of preaching that message message around meditation and mindset for he's he's dead now, mm-hmm. but he was doing it for a long time. And um he wrote an amazing book that I finished recently called how to manifest your destiny. Mm. Um, and it's a really, really well put together book. Just mm-hmm. like, it's a very simple read. Um, and he's got a, like an incredible amount of energy about him and his message is very clear and he practices and um, communicates this type of med- He's done like a lot of research into like, uh, like the afterlife and gods and um he started doing this meditation. Like, so he'll meditate on like, it's a lot of visualization manifestation kind of stuff. Right. So, but he doesn't, what he teaches, it's like not manifesting the items it's manifesting the feelings that them items would bring. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like, we're not trying to manifest money. We're trying to manifest the feeling that, that, that money would bring or like, which is like a sense of freedom or a sense of, um, stability so it's like he spends time on yes but um so like during his meditation so he does there's a, a 20 minute practice in the morning and a 20 minute practice at the evening and they're both different 
Mm-hmm. The first 10 minutes of the morning one is like a, it calls it an R meditation. And it feels a bit fucking retarded when you first do it, to be honest, because it like you spend, like you, it's a big deep breath in and then it's a exhale, which is yeah. a very simple um, movement. It's a very natural, but it's just like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and so he'll do that for the first 10 minutes and then he'll do the next, the next, the later 10 minutes in silence. Um, mm-hmm. but he t- talks a lot about, uh, like visual, like the third eye is like visualize that and manifest through that third eye, like the feelings that, that you want to acquire. Yeah. And, um, it sounds, it does sound a little bit fucking dorky and cheesy as I'm talking about it, but without context, but it's a really, really powerful book. And, um, and there was one thing that sort of stood out to me, but like when you go through, like, there's so many different gods that people, um, that people worship okay like so you've got like there's all there's fucking heaps of but it's like there's a common thing in all of them is they all like when you say the word there's always like um like an r in like got like there's always an r word or like the similar phrase in all of the words Mm -hmm. like i think that like his thought was that or like thousands of years ago when people were trying to communicate and talk about like a god um it was just all different sounds, but they're all kind of the same thing. Yeah, man. Like those, those sounds, like sound carries vibration, right? Like, and, and this is why sound healing is so profound and has such a massive impact on human biology. And, you know, if you took, uh, take the Polynesian culture, right? The Hawaiians. So ha means life force. And right. m- most of the, the language around, uh, the Hawaiian culture has ha or ah in it, like aloha, Hawaii, yeah. mahalo. And it's it's like that. And then you go in the Mayan culture, very, very similar. You go in Krishna culture, very, very similar. And I, what I understand is what we're alluding to is this idea or concept of God or a god or deity and the concept of the god or deity isn't that there's a higher being it's not a being of such much rather uh an energy or frequency of energy that is the guiding force of our realities or how we are navigating these timelines right and i think these these uh sounds and meditations clear our channels so our energetic bodies they clear the bodies and then turn the dials up so that we can see access and experience these alternative states of consciousness is what we're calling it in in science-based literature but really we're, we're clearing the energetic channel so that we can pick up on more information and it doesn't just stop there like it's it i've been talking about this this week actually with a lot of um a lot of other coaches and um, some of my clients, like when people are preaching this idea of healthy eating, right? The, the, the main, the main idea or outcome we're looking for is something to do with the physical being, right? Like if we eat healthy, our physical representation will be healthy as well for the most part. How you look or how you feel? Like, is it like a visual? Good point. So it's like, it's a visual aesthetic piece, right? Because None of us want to be fat because that brings a certain amount of negative vibration and depression and, and um, mental health uh, issues. 
And we don't want to feel like we're not functional, whether that's being able to get off the couch or be able to play with your kids or go to work. So there's like, and this is, this was the point to my, my video the other day. And no around, one wants to be super skinny either, right? Like you don't no want one to wants be... to be, no, because there's an idea that that's inferior or that yeah. I'm not, um, I'm not a conducive part of society if I'm like malnourished and, you know, yeah. and then you look at the people that really are that that skinny and that like malnourished. And there's, there's certain mental health ailments that are applied to those circumstances. And each one's different. Obviously they have their own variables. And this is the point to my video the other day around you cannot access good mental well-being without the physical and you can't access the physical without the mental, but it goes one way, like it can't happen the other. So you can't have a good physical and not a good mental, but you can have a good mental and not so much physical. Yeah. Now, the idea here, if we were to go deep into this, is that when we clear our channels, take nutrition as this conversation, when we eat really, really well organically, we know where the food comes from. We know that it's been farmed ethically and we know that there's no pesticides, herbicides. We know that the livestock haven't been filled with hormones and chemicals. They're free range, um, all of those aspects. That allows our body to operate at a frequency where we are clearer, meaning that all of our senses, because we are sentient beings, all of our senses are heightened. So if we're eating really well, drinking clean water and moving the body, we can focus deeper. Our problem-solving abilities become more advanced. Our communication skills become more articulate and um, diverse. Our, our focus and you know our energetic levels, even our, uh, our libido is all improved just by clearing these channels. And so to bring meditation, to go full circle, bring meditation or mindfulness practices into the start of your day instead of getting on the scroll, blue light, fucking social media, fed bullshit, drinking coffee first thing, uh, eating straight away, not giving your body an opportunity to wake up and then be able to clear the channels. This is why it's having such a massive impact. And for the most part, people think, oh yeah, like like you just said, like these mindful, mindfulness practices or meditation sound a bit kooky. They do to some degree until you actually do them. And then you start yeah. to feel the byproducts throughout the week. And you're like, I am fucking killing it this week. Why? Because I'm doing these things. I'm clearing the channels. Isn't it? Um, you know, sometimes, and it's really interesting because like there's really only two scenarios where like I feel it at a really high level or I've felt it at a really high level. And that's when, um, just checking that camera. Um, that's when I'm, I'm running or like, I'm like sort of seven K into a run or 10 K in a run. Like when your body's warmed up and you're feeling good, there's like a, they call it the runner's high, right. But there's like that, that feeling that is like almost, you know, indescribable and, and hard to explain. Unless but also to um, the other feeling, I can still acquire that feeling through fasting as well. So like if I fast through the morning, I have like a, there's like a clarity in my mind and a sense of focus, especially if I add music to that. So if I add music to it and I could be working headphones on just like deep into, again, like their sounds, right? They're sounds mm -hmm. that, that make us feel differently. Mm -hmm. And it's a beat. It's a, a treble. It's a resonance. Like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like whatever that emotion is, the music helps heighten that and magnifies it. So I I don't know, like I haven't done heaps of intermediate fasting, um, but I have over the last 
probably three weeks. I've I've just like I'm I'm I have my last meal at about five. We have dinner about five thirty six o'clock, right? I've Dang. finished dinner at six o'clock typically. Yeah. And I my next meal is at twelve o'clock the next day. Um, mm-hmm. But I have like I'm not really like I'm I'm not like I'm not hu- like I'm not like hanging out for food. Like I'm hungry. No. Um, but like I could go further. Like I think a lot of the time is that we'll definitely like we eat because it's the time to eat. Like it's breakfast time, it's lunch time, mm-hmm. it's dinner time, it's morning tea time. Um, and when you look at food, like what food, like foods and energy, right? Like it's a fuel for us. And mm-hmm. I, if you're if you're not re- super active or um you know like you don't need extra fuel then yeah like i don't think you need to necessarily eat five or six times a day right like it's just to supplement whatever your output is uh, and to replenish yeah that's right food is fuel right like we're fueling our bodies to be able to live but for the most part people are in a state of survival so because their nervous systems are so upregulated, they believe they're hungry because their body their metabolism is burning so fast because of the amount of stress in their body and so to replenish those stores, it's like, I'm hungry, I need to eat. But really, you're just compounding the stress and anxiety that's present in the body and overfilling it with fuel that's not being burnt for use. It's being burnt to help the body survive. And that's a horrible behavior to get yourself into. It's like that saying, um, like, I eat because I'm depressed and I'm depressed because I eat. Because I, I eat, yeah. Yeah, like, um, and I think we've all, like, ha- we've all had a relationship with food in some capacity that's similar to that, right? You're like, Hey, I feel a bit down or, or I feel happy. doesn't matter. Right. It's like, like food. There's a, there is, um, there's an emotion behind food. Like, you know, we, we indulge with family or friends or loved ones. And like, it's, it is, you know, ceremony if without even really identifying it, but, um, it's a really fine line between, um, like I know, like you could have something and then instantly feel like you almost regret it. You're like, fuck, oh, like yeah. I knew I knew I was going to feel fucked after I ate McDonald's, <laughs> but I still fucking went in the driveway and, and I ate it, right? And it's interesting because we all, there's two ways. And I think I've like, I've given it a, quite a lot of thought because it goes both ways. It goes with exercise and moving and it also goes with food as well, right? It's like we anyone that's had like any like that's trained in any capacity knows how amazing they feel after they train, but mm-hmm. that feeling isn't so powerful that it doesn't just completely override the thought or the mm-hmm. idea of not training, you know, when we don't want to, which is mm-hmm. really interesting to me is like, we know how good we feel. We feel incredible. And there's like, there's no other feeling. Right. Um, but still we wake up and we're like, Hey, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And, the other thing is like, it's the same with food because I know that if I overindulge in takeaway or like a high sugary food, I know that I'm going to feel fucking horrendous after it. I know yeah. it, but, it, but that feeling isn't so strong that it, that it doesn't stop me from doing it in the mm. first place, which is super unique because like, I know, I know the outcome, but it's, yeah, it's not drastic enough for me not to fucking take action on it, which is strange to me. Well, this is, this is a powerful statement, man, because, you know, if you eat the thing that you don't want to eat, we lack that self-control, we eat the thing that we don't want to eat and we feel crap and we know that we regret what we did. Now, if you were to take just both of us, right? So we're, we're highly focused individuals on achieving certain aspects of our life and we're very dedicated and disciplined to certain areas, most areas, but certain areas. 
Now, if I eat something that I completely regret and I know I'm going to feel shit and I still do it, how optimized am I towards the target or the goal that I'm focusing on? Not fully, because now I'm spending a lot of energy focusing on the regret and shame that I have around eating the thing. And so it takes away from your ability to achieve the things that mean the most to you. So it's this short-term gratification versus long-term discipline and, and action. And this is where people get really unstuck and it's hard to make that transition. Like if you're, look, if you're selling a, a coaching product, right? I'm selling a coaching product. I have a service and I have a product that I'm selling off the shelf, which is coaching and more or less helping you optimize your life as a man or a father. Now, it's easy for me to say, do this, do this, do this, because I've done it and I've experienced and I know the outcome. And there's millions of people out there that will tell you the same thing, have the same success. But for somebody who's not living that, and consistently making those bad choices, it's it's very difficult to understand what lays on the other side because they're getting that, that dopamine fix from the short-term gratification that they're having. And then they're living in this identity and or energy that is like telling them who they are. So it's like, okay, I'm this guy. I know I'm, I know I'm making bad decisions. I'm seeking help. But right now, this is allowing me to be who I am and, and allowing me to understand who I am because I, I know that I can do this. Like I can go and eat that shit thing in the morning because that's what I do. You know, it's part of the part of my program. And it's very hard to move beyond that identity because it does take practice. It takes discipline and it takes experiencing and embodying the outcomes before you can actually make the transition. But it can't happen without making the transition. I remember it was actually one of the, like one of the reasons why I stopped um, using alcohol was because of like exactly what you just said, because I would say like, I'd have a conversation with you or with someone like with, with like would have a conversation like we have. And it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I want to achieve this and I'm working towards that. And my goals are this. And you know, like I'm, I'm like, I already express and share all these goals and expectations I had of myself. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's cool that you're doing that. But like none of your fucking actions right now are, are like helping or guiding you to achieving that goal. Yeah. So it's like, it's really hard for you to achieve all these things. If you're still getting fucking drunk four nights a week, Yeah, like at the, at the fundamental layer, it's like in order for you to do that, then you have to stop doing this. And, um, I sort of just reflected and I was like, wow, look, I'm saying all these things that I really do feel in me, but none of my actions are matching that. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, like, you can't reconcile it. You know, it's a, your, your actions just don't fucking match your words. And then when I realized that um, and and stopped drinking, then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, like I am now much more of that person that I've been saying that I am and I've been telling myself that I am, like I'm on the right path now. And that's that's how I felt too. Like especially when, when business started to like, you know, scale and grow, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I have always felt like I should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, but the biggest, uh, there was a, a few, there was a lot of things that were in the road of that. Um, but a lot of them were the actions that I was taking, you know, that were just going against who I thought of, who I was like deep down. Absolutely. Like I think, um, again, even with drinking, Raz, like the, the drinking was just a big part of the environment that I was in and the culture that I was in. Mm -hmm. And when I removed myself from that culture and environment, then it was, it was much more simpler for me to be able to not drink. Um, it was very, it, it, was extre it was extremely hard. It would have been extremely hard for me to like go two years without drinking if I was still in that exactly the same environment because yeah, I'm yeah. not being, I'm not, I'm 
it's a false identity with myself. It's like, fuck, I don't even, this isn't even me. Like, yeah. I don't want to be a coal miner, but I'm fucking stuck here in this bubble. And then yeah. it's easy to drink and it's easy to do what everyone else does because you're not even who you are. Like, you're not being genuine to yourself. Right. Yeah. The environment's signaling your behavior, right? Like, yeah. the environment and the social settings are signaling behavior. And that happens every day. Like, we, we are signaled by our environment. And for the most part, most people don't know how to regulate or control that or be the buffer between the environment and themselves. I mean, if you value something deeply and you know the benefits that it brings you, yet the environment is still signaling you to go in a different direction, it's a lot of energy to fight against that. And it is a fight because you are living in alignment with what you truly value, your core values, and the environment is telling you that your core values don't match or harmonize with the environment. And this is where people really struggle with disconnecting and saying goodbyes and, and you know, being like, no, I need to remove myself from the environment because it's not conducive to my path of what I'm trying to do or where I'm trying to go. Your story is very unique because that's, I mean, that this is probably very common for most miners, right? Like, actually, I've talked to a lot of miners over the last six months, you know, coaching wise, and they're, they're all the same mindset. Some really enjoy it. Some really enjoy what they do and it's powerful. And I can see it in them that they do really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and for them, for the most part, they're pretty, they're pretty disciplined in their practice. They're like, no, I do this because I love it. And my lifestyle is pretty healthy as well. And it is, you know, but yeah, a large percentage of miners or FIFO is like, this is the environment that they live in day in, day out. And even when they're not living in that, let's say they're seven on seven off the seven off their patterns of behavior are still reflective of what they are consistently doing. And so even when they're home, they're still drinking because their biology is trying to keep up with the day to day, you know, schedule. And so they're still drinking. They're still, you know, not sleeping as well. They're still searching for that next uh, element that's going to tell them or um, enforce the narrative around what their identity is. And that's where a lot of people come unstuck, you know, in their environments. But it's it's such a difficult uh, notion to move beyond because you go anywhere in life right now and the environment will signal you to say that what you're doing is incorrect. You know, like you getting up at 3 a.m. to row half a marathon or run half a marathon, your township, just to just to put it in perspective, your township would be like, who is this crazy motherfucker? Yeah, who yeah. is this dude? He's super unique. He's weird. Like he does these strange things because that's the environment, you know? Yeah. And it's not to overgeneralize, but that is factual. Like no matter where you go, you live in the city or metropolitan area, you wake up, there's cars, there's traffic, there's sounds, there's sirens, there's all of these things. And someone's nervous system's already like... Phew, survival mode let's go um it's interesting to touch on them sounds and stuff like that too. like i'm one of my like i have like a fucking war against light pollution at the moment like it, oh, it yes. frustrates me bro like it's like yes. if i see like a street light or like there's a fucking glimpse of light coming through my window like it it makes me cranky like I, like it's almost fucking <laughs> negative right it's like yeah. what the fuck's this light doing here and um I think like there's a lot, I live in like a small community, right? Like the, the light pollution around me is not like the light pollution exists of like one street light. Mm -hmm. like, but like some people, like I stayed in Sydney through the week the other day and there was lights everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like you can't see the sky, man. Like and I, that's, th these guys don't understand, like they've never experienced like what a 
like what the stars can look like on a really dark, clear night. Yeah. When you talk about your senses and stuff like that as well, as like there is always that it's a like that bird cheeping or that car you know, squealing or the 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 tree brushing up against the colorbond fans. Like there's always these noises and they all take an element of energy or they take away from they t- like they're so noisy um, subconsciously that you don't even identify it, but like they're taking away other positive thoughts. Like whilst ever mm-hmm. you're thinking of like that noise or, or this, cause it, like a lot of them noises as well, especially at nighttime, your body is in like a, like a default safety setting. So yeah. like if you, if your family's in a bed and sleep and you hear a noise outside, it's like, is everyone okay? And yeah. Like, is someone trying to harm my family or get into my home? And um, like that takes this element of energy, right? And if you, and you know, there's like fucking noises everywhere or, or there's a light coming through, like you've, yeah, it's hard to sort of fucking chill out and, and find a, like a, a happy medium place. I remember dude, when I was running, um, my, my senses were so, my senses were so, especially at nighttime, like I noticed this, like, sorry, early in the morning when it's dark, because I can't see beyond, you know, say 30 meters or 40 meters. So it's like, I can only see like my direct bubble. Um, So nothing is taking my energy away from what's happening in my immediate circumstance. But I would be able to smell, like if a car drove past and they were smoking a cigarette, like I could smell the cigarette. They were doing fucking 70 Ks. I could smell perfume on the guys and the girls that were driving past me. Like that's, like I've never smelt that. You don't smell that when you walk up the street because like you just, it's polluted with all like the noise and and your senses aren't really on fire because you're just walking, your heart rate's at fucking, you know, 70 or 40, whatever it is, right? So it's like when you had an elevated heart rate and your senses are all on fire, you can smell these extra things. And and it's really interesting to, um, to learn how, dude, I remember, I remember um, I was running and this fucking cat ran out in front of me, like just across the road, right? Scared the fuck out of me. And my whole body just tink, like my whole body tingled and was like in like a survival mode because it like yeah. it was just like Fight a big shot. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, wow, like, um, but it was crazy how fast that happened, you know, mm-hmm. like how them senses in incredibly fast. Yeah. And like you take meditation. When I guide breathwork and meditation, the first thing I say is close your eyes. Why? Because when you close down one sense, all the other senses become heightened. Yeah. So if you can close down your eyes or and we're doing breath, your sense of smell is going to increase. Yeah. Your sensitivity to ambient temperatures and the environment is going to increase. You're going to be able to pick up on if somebody's around. If you ever had your eyes closed for half an hour, yeah. you can feel when somebody walks in the room because you can yeah. your skin tells you that, right? Yeah. And actually what's super peculiar around the sound aspect is like for me, okay, like my my goal is to buy a property 100 acres off grid like this is this is what i want what i'm going to achieve now when i think about that all of my day-to-day life is directed towards achieving that thing right it's not an outcome it's just a desired path that i want to walk now if i'm laying in bed and i can hear cars or i can see light or i can hear something creaking in the house or or whatever it's reminding me that I'm not there yet, mm. you know, and that's very stimulating. That's very stimulating. And it's the same yeah. with any other aspect of your senses. It reminds you and tells you and reinvigorates this idea that you're not there yet. And that's very yeah. frustrating. It's frustrating yeah. on a psychological level. Yeah. They, um, 
I started doing, I put up on my stories the other day. I, I've been starting to, so I'll have like a, I've got a headlight that I usually run with, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, a mad headlight. And I usually just take that down in the shed and like I turn it on and face it away just so it sort of lights up my area. I can't see the monitor unless I focus on it. Cause I don't want to, like, I don't want to just focus on the meters, you know, all the time. Cause it just fucking lasts forever. So I, I focus, I, I point the light away from the rower, but every now and then when I check, when I want to look at the monitor, I can see it if I focus, right? And I've been turning it off completely. Um, and I, I row in a detached shed from my house. So it's it's very dark. I turn that off. I have, I actually, even my watch, like, you know, when you turn your watch up, it lights up. So I'll take my watch off. I, I turn the light, my phone's away um, and it's pitch black. And the cool thing about that, right, is that you're on a rower. Like it's, there's only a couple, like you've got the pull with the catch and the recovery. Like there's like three movements. And you're on, like, you can't hurt yourself. So mm. I'm rowing in, like, it's the darkest, like, it's like closing your eyes at nighttime dark. Like, that's mm-hmm. how dark it is. And um, when, again, like, because there's no light in there, I'm not looking at, you know, that thing that fucking fell over or the, the dust in the, like, uh, like it's pitch black. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't focus on anything visually. There's nothing visually to focus on. It's like a float tank. Like, the, you're, I'm depriving myself of all visual um, cues. And then when you do that, especially if you li- like, I could, you could do it when you listen to a book, you just hyper-focus on the words of the book or, or the, the idea of the message that they're conveying, or you don't do that. And you just sit there with your own thoughts and just mm-hmm. fucking ponder on your own thoughts. And when you're in that environment, so what I'm learning is that, I mean, I'm already in a high frequency environment and I've already acquired like a high frequency thought process and mindset because like my heart's at sort of one thirties, one forties, one fifties, like I'm under my body's under stress and then I'm taking away all visual cues and I'm just letting my mind race. And it's a fucking magical feeling, dude. When I, (laughs) when, when I sit there for as long as I do in that darkness um, and you just get lost, like it, it, it is like a flow. It's like, um, it's like a float tank, but you're in, you're under stress. You're, it's, you're, you're, you're working out. It's really yeah. cool. And there's nothing, there's nothing else adding to the feedback loop other than what you're feeling. Yeah. Other than what you feel. Cause you're like, you yeah. can't even see your breath. And I imagine where you are, like you'd be able to see your breath if the light was on. Cause it'd be misty, right? Yeah. Like you'd yeah, see that. Correct. And even if you saw your breath, you'd be like, Oh, it's cold. And that'd be the first story. It's like, yeah. it's cold. What am I doing yeah. here? But you can't even yeah. see that. So it's like no, the feedback can't. loop is you and your body, the stimulus in response, and you are the response to the stimulus. And that's just this continuous feedback loop. And I think that um, the, and float tanks are really cool for that, right? Like, especially oh, yeah. when you're floating on water in a, in a, like a body temperature. Um, yeah. it's And, and the other thing, I think that's why I like, even like cold therapy is very similar to that because when you're in an ice bath or you're underneath cold water, like you don't have time to fucking think about anything else. Your body's like, Hey, how the, like, what the fuck are we doing? Cause everything from your body's point of view, right? Your body thinks that that might be like, you might stay in that environment forever. It's like, mm. what the fuck's going on? How do I yeah. save you? Like you're going to die. We need to increase your heart rate right now. We need to move more blood through your body. Like it's in fucking survival mode. Like, you know that you're only going to be there for two minutes or four minutes. So it's Okay but your body's got no idea about that. It's like, Hey, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And when you're in that, when you underneath that stress, um, you have no time to think of anything else. That's why I love jujitsu as well, because you got some other dude that's trying to choke you 
and he's on top of you and he's like, he's, you're trying to understand why his hand's there and what, what like, what, what is he going to try for this or is he going to try for that? So you're trying to defend, but you're also trying to, you know, work on your own offense to find yourself in a better position. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to try to like, think about like, you know, the time through the day when that person said something that upset you or like you have no, there's no opportunity to think of other things. Mm-hmm. You're just in the moment. And you're only concerned about what's happening right in front of you. And I, there's like a a really cool, it's the same as working out, right? But there's like this really um, cool feeling after that, that it's like, like you feel relaxed. Um, that's probably the simplest word. You just fucking, you chilled out. It's, you, yeah, you're relaxed. Yeah, you've just gone through meditation. Like kinesthetic awareness, which is feeling, right? Like picking up information through feeling into the body. It's the most potent way that we can explore our own existence you know, and, and we as human beings have become so conditioned to creating these compensatory mechanisms where it's like, I don't need to feel that because I can see that it's telling me that this is what it is, or I don't need to feel that in my body because I can hear that somebody's telling me that this is what it is. But as soon as you go into the practice of kinesthetic awareness, where you are putting your body through some sort of stress, whether it's hormetic or psychological or even physical stress, and you feel it in the body, you become like you become this expert pilot for for driving a vehicle that is the most advanced piece of machinery on the planet. And you are the manufacturer, the designer, the operator, you're all the things. And so when you take that responsibility, like if you if you get submitted in a bout, right, or, or a role, someone chokes you out, it's because you didn't pick up on something or your skill set wasn't at a level where you were able to apply different procedures in order to avoid the choke right and that feeling is very rewarding just the same as it is when you run an ultra or rower rower marathon or whatever it's when you when you get off that thing or you you stop that thing the sense of completeness that you have is because everything that you did to achieve that task was all body it was mind absolutely but it was all body and the body couldn't have done it without the mind which like full circle what we're talking about like you can't have good mental well-being without good physical well-being but to have good physical well-being you need to be able to feel it in the body you need to be able to work and listen to the body so there's no one program there's no one diet that's going to fix everybody there are definitely concepts that are going to provide a larger benefit positively to a a massive population but like you are responsible for you like anything and everything that's going on in the body if you can feel it then you you need to be aware of that and work through that you know it's so interesting that like we we can all like a, a new iphone can come out and everyone is knows every feature like we know exactly how to drive that thing right from basically mm-hmm. from fucking day dot like it, they've been teaching no us one, since they fucking let it go yeah and it's like that we know so much about um these other technologies and the most powerful the the most you know the the, the most expensive hardware in the world is us as humans right mm-hmm. the most expensive software in the world is our minds our brains but it's like we we and we all have them in some capacity but it's like the thing that interests me is like 
why can that per what can person A achieve and accomplish so much more than person B when their bio is basically the same? And it's mm. like they're just using that vehicle in a in a much superior way than than the other person. Yeah. Um, yep. And I don't think that like when especially with all, all the techno like the the body itself is like it's hard to even comprehend how incredible it is. Like so much so that no one even gives it any fucking attention at all. Mm. Like they're just like, Oh cool. This is who we are and what we do. It's like, fuck dude. Like we're, we're pretty incredible people. And I actually notice this when I go to cities because the thing, even Sydney is a perfect example, right? It's like that city is like so young. It's a couple of hundred years old. Yeah. And like people built that, like we built that city humans like that's fucking mad it's incredible that we built that city and Bond i was looking at the harbour bridge yeah i was looking at Bond the harbour bridge built it. yeah i was looking at the harbour bridge the other day and i was like hey, how like how old is that like it must be like a few hundred years old and i looked it up i was like oh fuck like it took them like 20 years to build and it was commissioned in 1930 mm -hmm. like dude this like that's not long ago like there's that's likely young. someone alive that like remembered when it wasn't here like yeah bananas bro but we all just sort of grow up around it and just assume that oh yeah that was like that was always kind of here it was like fucking 30 people died building that thing like that's how old it was and, and it was just like it was a, a gnarly thing but even just the foresight of being able to see that like it was like a big multi-lane setup um yeah it was it was incredible even the tech on it now like you uh, know there's there's so much tech on it now yeah yeah but it's it was, like it was incredible that they I don't, I don't know how, is there eight lanes or 10 lanes? But it's like, imagine like the foresight in building something that wide that would support, you know, traffic a hundred years later or, or 80 or 90 years later. It's pretty cool. It's hard to fathom how like the level of physics that would have gone into, you know, the engineering of that bridge specifically because we didn't know what kind of tech or automobile evolution was going to yeah. occur. It's just like make it resilient. And it's it's like a testament. Actually, you know what's funny? I was I was having this conversation, conversation with um, you know, James Meredith from Found Space. Um no. he's like the he's the head of sales down yeah. in Melbourne and yeah. um close friends with Alex. And him and yeah. I were talking about it yesterday about um generational uh intelligence, right? Yeah. Like it's such a paradox because right now us in our thirties and forties are in a very rich time. And I think you and I've spoken about this before. Like we're in a very rich time where there is so much information. There's so much supportive research that the way we can live is far superior than the way that our parents or grandparents lived. And the paradox is that our grandparents and parents were just fucking resilient. And that's yeah. so, it's so conflicting because, you know, they've survived f from forties, fifties, all the way through now to, you know, the, the 2020s. And they're still here because of that resilient mindset, not because of the applications to health and wellness that we know on practice, yeah, which correct. means that, you know, people in their twenties now are going to live beyond a hundred, you know, in years to come, we're going to see a higher percentage or population of people living beyond a hundred because of the information that we have. But once again, the paradox is that these people were so fucking resilient and yeah. 
you look at the infrastructure, technology, and um, you know things that made life easier back for those generations. It too is resilient. You take the Volkswagen, right? A German-built automobile. They have not they have not evolved the schematics of how to run an automobile like they have since the world wars, like the, yeah. the operating system for a, for a VW Beamer or the, or the subsidiary uh, brands and companies that relate to that are directly correlated to the way they used to run the tanks in the wars. Yeah. And, and those were some of the most resilient pieces of machinery they had during the wars, right? And they were nearly untouched and they haven't made too many changes. Yes. Technology is advanced. There's more computer hardware going on inside the, the, um, the car itself, but the running system is very, very similar. And it's it's something that we can adopt. And I believe us in our mid-30s, like 30s to 40s, have adopted essence of resilient mindset. Definitely. I know for me, myself, I've adopted a resilient mindset based upon who I was raised by. And I'm also in an advantageous position because I also have all this other information. So when you collectively put together a resilient mindset, we have science-backed literature that works like that is a very strong component, but there's like this gap where, you know, people are still suffering and struggling because they can't find the ledge that they want to stand on. So uh, I have this thought, right. That, um, I still think we get to witness that now. I think that like kids, for example, are, are extremely resilient. Like children are very resilient. And I think that it's like, well, why aren't adults so much resilient? Like adults are a, you know, a more experienced child. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, life in as a whole is pretty easy for us mm-hmm. in a Western country. Like, yeah, for yeah. sure there's some challenges, but like it's life is easy. Like no one's trying to kill us for the most part. Like we, we can find food for the most part. We have running water, clean water. Like um, we're extremely lucky in a, in a Western country, right? And um. I think that just over time, our environment just makes us less and less resilient because our life is fucking simple. Like our life mm. is easy, like mm. extremely easy. And that's why I think that um, like I see in my kids, my kids are fucking incredibly resilient just because they haven't been exposed to the simple, like the fucking ease of life as for as long as what adults have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a big reason why I try to start my day in discomfort every day, because I know that that, like there is growth in putting myself in that environment. Like, and even more so when you do it deliberately, so yeah. it's like, if you can deliberately seek discomfort every day and start your day, you know, in control by doing something that is undesirable, then you, there's an element of like your training resilience. And for me, man, it's like, when if I row a run, it's got fucking nothing to do with exercise, right? Like it's got like, it's, it's all to do with like acquiring a high frequency mindset Mm-hmm. Um, like training my resilience, like all these things, like doing something that I don't want to do. Like it's like all them things just add layers and layers and layers that help me operate at a really high frequency for, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So it's like six o'clock in the morning, I'm done. I've, I've had a sh- I've have a cold shower in my backyard. I'm, I walk up, I'm done. I'm dressed. I'm ready for the day. Dude, it's fucking, I've, I'm yet to have a bad day when I start it like that. Like, yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine a scenario or a circumstance that would that would that I would label as a bad day if I started my day like that. It just and you doesn't notice happen. it when you don't, bro. Yeah, correct. You know, like I notice it when I don't so much that it's actually 
it can be a little bit negative, right? Like because I hold on and I nurture that routine so closely that, you know, if anything does put it at risk, it kind of fucks me up a bit, you know, mm. like, and it's not super healthy. Like I, I can identify that um, my routine is important, but we also, I, I think more recently I'm learning this is that like, whilst your routine should be important, it shouldn't be like the backbone of, you know, you yeah. being able to operate, you know, yeah. because a real fucking stud can operate at a high frequency or they can just put themselves in that high frequency in any environment. So it's like, cool. Yeah. For whatever reason, you didn't get to start your day like that. I still expect you to, you know, action and, and execute on your day as if you would have, if everything yeah. went to plan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's something that I'm working on personally, because like I am very close to my routine um, and I want to nurture it and, and I feel threatened if, you know, something puts that at jeopardy. So that's something that I'll work. And the next few months is going to be a cool little test for that because um, like I go to Germany in September, uh, we're going to Singapore, we're going to Germany, we're going to the US, we're going to Hawaii. Like there's going to be a lot of traveling in like a three week, 21 days. So like a, a three Oof. week window, it's like a huge amount of traveling um, with four kids you know, <laughs> or different like so. Like my morning routine is um is well just my fucking routine full stop, dude. It's just gonna be yeah. completely turned upside down. Um, so I'm interested in I'm interested in seeing how you know I handle that and and the growth that I receive off the back of it by you know putting myself in. And again, it was like when even when we like the temptation and not not to take all the kids on this trip, you know, it was like it was there. It was like are we I fucking bet. stupid? Yeah, it's like, are we fucking retarded? Like, what do we do? We're going to travel around the world with four young kids. So, um, and then I was like, for me, it all come down to, it's like, I'm, I feel like this opportunity is like so important for all them kids. It's like going to change the whole direction of their life. Yeah. Like when they get to go to Singapore and see Singapore, when they get to go to Germany and, 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 and hear people talk in German and see what is in Germany. And then we go to cut like, there's going to be so much, again, feelings. There's going to be so much visually. There's going to be so, so many senses that they're going to be able to experience. It's mm -hmm. going to change the whole perception of what life is and mm -hmm. like how big this world is and what they can do if, if they apply the things, you know, that they learn or, um, you know, the things that they experience. So again, for me, it's like at the very, there's going to be things that don't go to plan, um, and I'm plant like it makes sense that we plan that fucking nothing goes to plan and we just pivot. And if we've got to fucking sleep in airports because of cancelled flights and we got to do this, that's all a part of it. There'll pivot, be something yeah. in here that that yeah we all that we all get out of it. Um, even Where are you going in the states? We're just going to California for um, uh, four nights. So we're just going to L LA. LA. Yeah, like a layover. Uh, we're there for four nights. So like. So, it's purely just to try to break the, cause we need my daughter's dancing for Australia at the uh, yeah, um, world championships in, yeah, in Germany. So the trip is for that. The trip is to go over to the world champions in Germany. Um, and then everything off the back of it is just to try to break the flights up. So oh, yeah. we go to Singapore for three nights to split that 22 hour flight up from yeah. you know, here to Frankfurt. Then we'll stay in Frankfurt for one night and then we'll go to Risa where the competition is, uh, which is like from what I know is like a quiet little sleepy town 
um, on the western Sick. side of Germany, um, which will be pretty cool. And we're there for a week, and then we'll fly to LA. And we're there for four nights or five nights, and we'll just we'll do Disneyland and all that jazz. Um, have a bit of a scoot around and, and do what we can, and then we'll go to Hawaii on the way home. Four nights mm. there again, just to break that up, and and then back home. Um, so yeah, it should be pretty mad. Where in uh, are you going? Main Island in Hawaii. Um, I'd have to look it up. Uh, what one is the main island? I think we're going to Waikiki. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you got Acom? Not and the one that's sorted? fight. Not the not the one that's on fire. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, well, I know we do. Yes, but I I could potentially change it or move it. What do you got? So two things. I'll link you up with my homie in LA. He runs. Um, he's owned and operated this gym. It moonlights as a gym. Really, it was an old mechanic garage, and he turned it into a gym. Uh, but really it moonlights as a gym because he's a he's a leadership coach and mentor and he's one of yep. the best in the world. Um, they're in Venice. I'll link you up with him if you can get some time just to grab a quick coffee with him. Like yeah. just to be how in far his is that from LA? How far is that from like LAX, like the airport? Uh fuck, we were there in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um we've got a car too, so I'll be able to do that. I've got a yeah, car. Yeah. So drive down there. I'll I'll link you in with him to to go catch up. Um, fuck man, just to be in his presence is phenomenal. Like he's that. a phenomenal human. And then in Hawaii, we have a contact who he left the military and invested in, um, uh, property. And then he started Airbnb them. And then from there scaled and grew properties to cars as well. And then from cars, he went to like experiences. So he runs this like full package of like, you can get an Airbnb, hire a car and get like sups and canoes and all the yeah, things wow. and creates the experience. But he's a phenomenal. He no, he's American. He's American yeah. dude. Um, phenomenal dude. And uh, I'll link you in with him too. Um, super easy to get cars. So they've got a, a platform over there, which is in Australia now. It's called Turo. And it's like yeah. car next door, Uber X or uh, I'm Uber actually sorry. watching it really closely. I'm, I'm watching that company really closely because it's, I look at it very similar to like Camplify and Camplify sort of. Popped. Exactly the same. Um, yeah. Exactly the same, man. And we, like we, we got an Audi uh, SUV from him, picked it up. And then he told us about all the accommodation thing. We'd already booked accommodation and, and got something on, on whatever we did. And then he's like, next time you come back or whenever your friends come back, let them know I'll discount everything. I'll look after you. Love what you're doing. Um, yeah. Just a really good dude. So I'll link you up with him. Yeah, too. that'd be mad. And uh, yeah, that'd be Turo is cool, man. Yeah, Turo. Turo is yeah. really cool. So I've been watching it, like it's obviously big, like outside of Australia, but I've been watching mm -hmm. it really closely because I think there's a really unique opportunity for, um, again for me, it's like I like nice things, um, and it'd be like my two my two eldest boys are fucking obsessed with Lamborghinis, right? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, they love anything Lamborghini. And I said, yeah, like, well, I'll, and they're like, would you buy one of these cars? I said, yeah, like, I'll buy a Lamborghini one day. It's like, like, when? Like, like a lot of the times I go, I'm going to work. They're like, are you going to go to buy, a, are you buying a Lamborghini today? Because I tell them I need to like work more, right? Yeah. Um, but I was like, I look at true, like that platform is like, you could buy an exotic car. You could drive it from Monday to Wednesday. And then you rent it out from Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, and it nets itself out. If anything, it like there's a good chance that if you buy the right one, that it, it becomes a you know a cash cash flow positive asset. 
Um, Dude, you set it up in like under salary sacrifice and you could fucking make those payments and some take a t- yeah. uh, cap off the top and Correct. with a balloon payment and then by, you know, the first, second year, you'd be easy paying it off or meeting your margins. And then, you know, you it's cheaper when you buy it for yourself and then you just continue on. Because the thing is as well, like when you look at the psychology around like hiring um, uh, like an exotic car, like say like a Lamborghini, for example, right? It's like people... They don't, the difference between them hiring a 2023 Lamborghini or a 2007 Lamborghini, so um, much difference. like not really fuck all right. No. They just want a the badge. Yeah. yeah. They want the badge and they want to be able to take a photo of them driving it. So, so long as it's got that badge on it, you can pick up, like you can, you can buy like an 04 or an 07 Lamborghini, like with like low case for about 140 grand. Um, really? Yeah, bro. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and that's still like a, that's still the cool shape like this, a little bit older than that. Like the shape goes a little bit old school, but you can still cool, um, you know, Conor McGregor, even would have seen Conor McGregor's green Lamborghini, like that shape, like it's yeah. older, but it's yeah. still yeah. A, like, you know, that it's a Lamborghini, right? Like yeah. you can buy, you can buy them shapes. Um, yeah. Like Oh five to Oh seven for like one forty. 150. Um, Even if you weren't putting it on tour, man, you could market it and rent it to influencers or photographers yeah. or like events. Like, yeah, you'd, you'd be booked out. Cause I, I looked at like even the, like the, the companies that do hire out um, them sport cars now, like even to hire a Lamborghini for a day, you're looking at about two grand for half the day or three grand for the full day. Mm-hmm. You're at 10 grand down as like insurance. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, two days six grand or even one day, three grand, like it, you do a couple midweek ones or whatever, like you get to drive it through the week and then just fucking rent it out on the weekend and you're making money from it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and Wherever I, I went in the States, I, I used to row and like to get a Lamborghini or, or I went to, um, I flew into Reno. I was doing a workshop with a buddy of mine and um, I flew in and I hired a Lotus Elise and like I got to the airport and I see it there and like, driving around Reno in this Lotus Elise. And then that day we drove out to Tahoe and like pulled up and, and went to this like super, super upper class, like restaurant golf club type vibe. And like the whole area of Tahoe that we were in was like the CEO of Coca-Cola lived there, like the, like Google and, 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 and they're like all at the restaurant type vibe. But like for me to get that car, it was like, I think it was like six hundred dollars. Yeah, wow. You know, for three yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's it's Crazy, wild, bro. man. It's wild. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, legend, big dog. Um, I appreciate another amazing chat. Um, I hope you have a splendid week, my dude, and you we'll too. talk really soon. Yes, we will. Thanks, brother. Peace. Take care, bro.